Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Welcome, everybody. Here we are for our life skill series yet again. Um, I want to start. I know many of you, if not all of you guys know me by now. I'm Michal Weiss. I, um, I run Living Chassidus here in Crown Heights, but also Living Chassidus has expanded, Baruch Hashem, and now all, the, all of our programs, I mean, before COVID, all of our programs were also on Zoom. So we were always available and here for everybody, no matter where you were. Um, but our main purpose is to be, there we go, is to be here in Crown Heights, um, caring for the women of Crown Heights, um, single and married and... Yeah, so usually our group is usually within their 20s and 30s. And I think that's one of the reasons why our life skill series gear is geared um, primarily towards that crew in that area. We, as part of living chassidus, we have the aspect of living and the aspect of chassidus and then the combination of the two. So our life skill series is our attempt at educating women about the topics that they will be living with. Um, that way they can live that, the life that they want to live with, um, with the Chassidish perspective, with the Chassidish viewpoint. So I don't have the logo behind me, but as you can see, the Hashem glasses are on. And every single thing we do, whether it's we bring midwives or we bring financial education or we bring how to get organized and how to you know, get your life in the, where you want it to be, all of that comes from the perspective of Chassidish. So, ah, he or whatever, I'll just, if they can hear me, I'll just keep these for now. Thank you. They can hear me. Um, okay. So with that said, I wanted to explain a little bit why Living Chassidus does life skill series. And we bring topics about pregnancy and childbirth and, and all these different topics to be discussed for also single women. So it's, um, we, in the beginning, we had this idea because many of my friends reach the point that they're engaged. And by the time you get engaged, you're busy with college classes. By the time you get married, you're busy being in Shana Rishayna and spending that incredible quality time with your husband. And so therefore you haven't really thought so deeply about pregnancy or many times, not even finances or how to organize your home that in this new, new marriage so I want to I wanted to help those people help women be prepared for those stages, and it came up with a question: Should we educate women about pregnancy, and should we educate women about? Um, let me see this. Not on. Okay. And should we educate women about these topics? And Barchsham, we spoke to the our Rav in Living Chassidus, and we spoke to our Mashpia, and both of them said yes. That is. Um, beautiful and wonderful and Baruch Hashem it is one of our biggest hits so here we are educating women about all these beautiful topics that way they are prepared by the time they get married and pregnancy sometimes happens before you even think it can happen so um, many times we we think you know oh whatever when the time ah thank you by the time it there we go by the time it comes, you know, I'll figure it out then. But the, according to the minhug is that we don't tell about our pregnancy early on. And so therefore many of us are left the first, especially the first time around kind of 
you know, groping in the dark, what are we going to do about this? And what should I know? What should I not know? I didn't even know such a thing existed. Um, I recently had a friend who gave birth and she was like, whoa, I hadn't even heard of, you know, the pelvic floor or so here we are educating women and all these wonderful things so that now when you have the time to really think about it, you can take that time, you can process it. And then when you get into the situation that you're the one living um, through such an experience, you are the educated partner. So, um, so I wanted to share my personal experience because anytime I share about my birth experience or about my viewpoint on newborns and my tips about newborns, many people are like shocked and they, they think, wow, how is that even possible? I never knew such an experience was possible. So I realized I started doing this thing that as soon as I can tell someone's pregnant or as soon as someone tells me that they're pregnant, I, I try and have a conversation with them and, and give them a heads up that things can be wonderful. Things can be beautiful and things don't have to be scary. And it's, it, it's such an incredible shift in mind when we bring Chassidus into our births, when we bring um, more of a beautiful mindset as opposed to a fear-driven mindset into our birth. So I want to speak a bit about my experience. I'm the oldest in my family and I got married at 19. So I had zero knowledge about pregnancy, about birth, about newborns. Literally, I think with my oldest, the first time I held him in my hands was ever the, it was the first time ever in my life I had held a newborn. So it, it, I really, I think I learned in a certain sense, I learned the hard way. Um, but because I knew that I made a very, very big point of taking birth classes. So I actually see that as the biggest investment that you can make in your life, that you take as many classes as possible as um, there's a famous, you know, quote that goes around that a lot of people do more research on their cameras, their laptops or their cars than on how they're baby is going to be born and what's going to happen to their own bodies and the ramifications of your decisions with your own bodies are go it, it it's for the rest of your life this is the body that carries your beautiful neshama through you have to take good care of it so what i decided was and this is this is very you know this is earlier on in my marriage where finances were definitely not the easiest thing but we decided to make an investment and i actually took two birthing classes from two different teachers that had two separate perspectives because I wanted to be as educated as I possibly could be. So with that said, I took one class, which was more on the mentality and, you know, coping mechanisms. And it had some amount of chassidus, um, and that was beautiful and nice. And the other class I took, which was more technical terms, medical, what could happen? What, what does this mean? What are definitions? You know, how does our body react to this? How does our body react to that? So both of those classes were beautiful, incredible. Actually, neither, neither teacher teaches. So if you're going to ask me which ones did I take and if she should take them, neither of those, they both, they're, they're not teaching anymore. Um, but I definitely suggest you do research and find as many classes or as many things as you can in the style that you believe in. So it's not every class is the same and you have to figure out which class is the right class for you and what you want to accomplish. So I wanna begin by saying that 
in my life, I never just take a class and that's it. I, I, I live by the mindset that we are always learning. We're always growing. We're always expanding our circles and expanding our knowledge and getting to know new people and experiencing new things. So I want to first start by saying, please take class. If you know, even if you've had a baby already, it doesn't hurt to take another class. Um, again, search for classes that match the mindset that you're trying to accomplish. So not every class is made equal, but as you know, I'm a slight bookaholic. So I want to give you some ideas of some books that you could read that could give the Chassidosh perspective on things. Um, if you'd like a list of books about the more Gashmias perspective on things, I can also give you that. But for, for now, I'll give you the Chassidosh perspective. Um, the first book I'll suggest is Shall We Have Another? Um, this is a book about that discusses a lot of back and forth, up and down, side to side, all the like arguments and questions that you might have about Peru and the mitzvah and it's a very 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 powerful and beautiful book and it could really set the tone beautifully for your pregnancy and for giving birth um, another book I very strongly suggest although this is not the typical print this is a special print that was made and it was given to me as a gift but it's towards a meaningful life the second chapter is on birth it kind the way it's written is that it speaks about you and your birth and how important you are and um, as it says from the Rebbe, birth is Hashem saying you matter. So all of this and how to view birth and how to view children and how to view, um, I wouldn't say, I mean, pregnancy also, but it's a very, very powerful book. And as every single chapter, I strongly suggest you read, um, in regards to the Rebbe's perspective on birth and what you should have in mind and some things to think about. I definitely suggest teachings of the Rebbe on Chinuch. It has an incredible chapter on that in there as well. For Minhagim, it's Kaivetz Minhagim. You can also find it in Sefer Minhagim and you can also find it in, I'm pretty sure it's the same in Eternal Joy Volume 3. Well, Eternal Joy Volume 3 also has beautiful things on marriage and Shalom Bias. So they're both great. I would suggest reading both of them. And last but not least, short and a, a nice, enjoyable um, book, but it has some really, really powerful short stories or, you know, small quotes or small ideas um, about birth. So it's called The Edifice, Dating, Marriage and Everlasting Home. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's particularly about birth, but it definitely has viewpoints that, match with what I'm, I'm going to discuss. And um, inclusion and the power of the individual. So this book is technically about children with special needs, but in that topic, it discusses children and the viewpoint on children. And um, it really sets the tone very powerfully about how important each child is and how important each one of us are. So I want to... Um, I want to suggest this one as well. Okay, so with that said, last week or a few weeks ago, we actually had Irit Lang and she spoke about pain and fear and how when we enter with a mindset, any, any experience, whether it's your first day of school, whether it's you know your first interview at work, when you enter with a mindset of fear and, and anxiety, so your whole body reacts. So many of us have that, you know, that's like sweaty palms or like, our, we feel our heart 
beating stronger or our, our breathing is a little bit heavier and, and we're very focused in what's around us and what's going on and, you know, the whole process. So we have to realize, Chassidus explains very clearly, it means that our mindset, the way we think, literally affects our heart and not just our heart, but our entire body. Our mindset has a direct correlation to our physical reaction. So the way you feel is, is very much impacted by how you're thinking about things. So for example, if you're coming into, into a situation and you're petrified, then your body is going to have different reactions. I'll give you another example. There are many people, me included, that when I'm stressed out, sometimes my back starts to hurt, whether it's my shoulder blades or my lower back or, and, and the way we feel about things has an effect. So it's been, it's been shown that there's a correlation between how we view labor, what, what fears were going into it and how that affects how our body reacts to the process of bringing a child out into this world. So I want to, I want to try and give you some ideas and some perspectives on how I deal with my personal labors and how I view them and why I think this was one of the many reasons that led to the most incredible and powerful birth experience I just went through um, about five months ago. And I would, I wanted to, and then, so I'll share, I'll share with you how I prepare for my births. And then hopefully after that, I'll also share a bit of my birth story with my last baby. And then I'll share uh, hopefully I'll share a bit of that and, and some tips on newborns. So I want to, um, start by saying that when we learn chassidus, especially when we learn in a constant basis, we can definitely appreciate that challenges and struggles and hardships are not here to torture us. There is a, a out outside of chassidus mindset, which is that, you know, you did something wrong. You're going to get punished. You're going to suffer for it. And Hashem's out to get you. And, you know, it's a revenge. He's taking revenge on you. And as much as it's not our mindset whatsoever, sometimes I hear it in, it seeps into our lingo. It seeps into our discussions and into the, our time spent together. So I want to start by saying that before we enter birth, we have to realize that the experience that we're going to go through, which is, I wouldn't say it's easy it's not like a walk in the park or you know a nice breezy stroll by the beach it's not quite that um but at the same time when we enter it having this mindset that this is a punishment or Hashem's trying to torture us or this is you know this is going to hurt. This is going to be really rough and hard and horrible. So again, what we said before was our mind affects our bodies. And when we start to think that way and we start to shape our, our experience and prepare ourselves for the worst, then our bodies also react. And, and physically speaking, when we are afraid, I mean, if I go and I jump right at you, so your body shuts down and it, it, it does this clenching motion. And meanwhile, when we're trying to bring a baby out into the world, our body is trying to open up 
right? The stomach, this is, let's say, the uterus and baby's inside. Again, you guys can watch Irit Lang's talk. She gave a whole beautiful explanation. And when the baby is coming down, we have to open up and basically push baby down. So if we are scared, what our body does is goes, and then it, it, it squeezes on the baby tighter, and then it's harder for baby to come out. So we have to try and work hard in order to in order to really prepare ourselves for labor and, and view it from hopefully a positive experience and an enjoyable, it's, it's not easy, but it doesn't have to be torture. And there's a balance there. And that's why I want to speak about our viewpoint on challenges because Hashem is not here to punish us. Hashem, the, 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 Okay. Um, Hashem is not here to punish us. Hashem is here to help us grow. And I'm going to discuss that a little bit more. So um, any experience in our lives, which leads to growth, goes through a stage of struggle, right? We speak about it in Chassidus a lot, that there's yesh and there's ayin, and between every yesh, every stage where you are settled and calm and, and living in a certain experience, and once you need to grow into something else, there's, a, there's an open space, which is ayin, which is unsettled, which is I don't know where I'm headed and I, know, I don't know where I am. There's one foot here and one foot there, and at one point you have to let go of both and kind of float midair. So for example, for many of you who have gone to seminary, you know, booking that ticket is one step and knowing you want to go to that seminary is one step. But when you're actually on the flight, there's this level of ayin. You're literally unsettled. You're not home anymore. You're not in your schedule. You're not in your regular routine with your comfort zone, but you're also not in seminary settled yet. And even the first week, you're still in ayin. You're still trying to figure out who are your friends? What's the schedule like? What's the life, you know, what's our life schedule like? So between every settled stage in life, there's a, there's a time period which is unsettled. And so I want to discuss a little bit about labor. Labor is that middle point in between settled. I mean, even pregnancy for some people is very unsettling. But after nine months of it, I think most people kind of get used to a certain extent of it. They're, they've come to terms with some part of it. So there's pregnancy. And then there's being settled with your baby and like in back in a routine, whether it's your first child and then you're literally learning a whole new experience. But then after a few months, then you're, you, you got the drill, you know, your baby, you know, your schedule. Yes, there's unknowns and there's different things and life keeps going, but, but there's a certain sense of settled. So that stage in between kind of get, gets kicked off. It gets started with this concept of labor. You are giving birth not just to a new child, but you're giving birth to a new you. You're giving birth, whether it's from going from being a couple to now being a mother and being, you know, uh, having another child, being a family together. It's, it's a jump. It takes that unknown middle stage to get from one place to the other place. And even if you have other children, it takes an unknown middle stage to get from being a mother of three to being a mother of four or being a mother of three boys to being a mother of three boys and a girl. So all of that is a stage that it is already unsettling. And so we don't have to see it as Hashem's torturing us. Hashem's not challenging us. Hashem's not putting us to the test because he's, you know, you know, coming here and checking us out and, and, and pushing our buttons or poking at us or anything like that. This is just the process it takes 
to make a mother. And once you see it that way, it just gives a whole new perspective. A challenge is not bad. A challenge is just the middle ground between settled, growth, and settled. Challenge equals growth. So every stage of the way, as long as we say, okay, this discomfort that I'm feeling right now, whether it's contractions or whether it's pushing or whether it's, you know, that middle stage of, I know I'm due soon. When is it going to be? And feeling so unsettled. You know, this is the one thing we have no, this and the gender, we have no control over. We don't know when it's going to be. And even if you have, if somebody has to get induced, Hashem is still in charge of that induction process. We have no control over it. So that middle stage doesn't have to be bad. We have to talk ourselves into and for brain, whether it's with our friends, our mashpia, our husband, our husband is a big one because he's also going through something and he's also experiencing you going through something. So taking that time to forbring and the goal of the forbringing is changing our mindset. This is not bad. This is not going to be horrible. This is not going to be, uh, you know, the, the horrible thing that leads to something good. The entire process, the whole channel of, of changing, the whole channel of growth can be good. It's hard. Anything hard, anything hard is hard. You know, riding a bike the first few times and you scrape your knees, it's hard. Taking the first steps as a baby, it's hard, but it's good. So you can see things and you can work on yourself and through these svarim and through having discussions with the right people on seeing that as much as something can be hard, it's not bad. Something that is challenging is just the process of making you who you're meant to be. Um, okay, so with that said, one second. One perspective that could really help, especially with, in my opinion, with contractions, somebody, some people call it surges, waves, whichever, whichever lesson you want to speak about, um, is that every single one of them is one step closer to baby coming. So on the one hand, as many of us know, they start pretty slow. For some people, it could be an hour apart. And it's like, oh, that, I felt that, but it wasn't such a big deal. It's kind of like a, a period cramp. Okay, I was able to handle that. It's not a big deal. And then it's, let's say, 30 seconds, and then you wait an hour, and then another 30 seconds, and then you wait an hour and another 30 seconds. It could start like that, or it could start as every 20 minutes. It could start as every 10 minutes. And it slowly but surely gets the time span between them gets shorter, and the actual length of the contraction generally speaking, gets longer. So when you see the world, sorry, when you see your contractions in this process, which is the same thing as seeing the world, but when you see your contractions in this process of every challenge that's coming up is one step closer to my baby, your mindset changes and you hopefully are working towards looking forward to the next one. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. It is very hard. And some of them get really, really, really hard. But you're not dreading the next one because when you dread the next one, remember your body goes, 
And when your body goes, then the cervix has a harder time dilating. Then the uterus has a harder time opening up for baby and, and you know, helping baby down. Then your whole body, your breathing is affected. Baby's breathing is affected. So our goal is to try and set our mindset as positive and as looking forward to the next contraction as you physically possibly can. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but if we know what we're trying to work towards, so then we can hopefully do it. And the more practice, and that's the crazy part about it, that I think for myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, especially after having my first, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do people do this? Like eight times, nine times, nine times. I know someone who has 14 kids. How, how on earth are they doing this multiple times? This was insane. But again, it's like any sport, kind of. It's like any sport that the more you work on it and the more you do it, the better you get at it, hopefully. So it might be that this upcoming birth or the first birth you have, you might not have this mindset, the, one, the mindset I'm speaking of. But at least if you know that that's what you're working towards with every labor, you'll hopefully be getting closer and closer. And I can speak about that for myself. This is, this, I, I just had my baby a few months ago and I could tell that I got better at it, essentially, as funny as that may sound, but I got more in tune with my body. I got more in tune with what I needed to have around me. I had more, I was more in tune with the mindset. And for many people, once it, it's an experience of getting to know yourselves. So for me, my first labor had a lot of silence. I was too afraid to speak up. I was too in the, I was, I felt too uncomfortable to make anybody else uncomfortable. So I didn't want to say that I was cold. I didn't want to say that I was hot or, and as I'm growing and as I'm having more children, I'm realizing I have to be sensitive to myself and I have to realize I'm bringing a baby into this world. I need to speak up when I need to speak up. So I, my labors, the more I've gotten to know myself and the more I've prepared for them, E the easier it has been to fight the, the silent yitzharas that get to us. The what ifs, those hidden fears, you know, what could happen if my baby this, or what could happen if I this, or what could happen if, and having and bringing in Hashem and bringing in this concept of anything I do, no matter what happens, it's all the Abister. And I have to choose what's best for me with the knowledge that I have. So having all of that in mind, Every labor, you get to know your Yetzirah better. And every labor, you get to fight your Yetzirah better. And try and pushing away those scary thoughts or try and push away those fears or try and push away the hesitations. All of that um, could make a very, very big impact on every single labor. And you can get better at it, so to speak. Okay. So now we spoke about the mindset and the realization that Hashem is in charge the realization that something that challenge something that's challenging or hard doesn't mean that it's bad and you can train yourself to look forward to the next challenging thing because it is getting you closer to the end result so I'm trying to think what's a good example but sometimes cooking you know i i i personally i have a hard time knowing that I'm about to get my entire kitchen a disaster. And every step of the way, it's like, oh my gosh, this is making more mess. And I do not like washing dishes. So it's making more mess and more mess and more mess. But I know that every step of the way, as much as it's a challenge, so to speak, to keep pulling out different tools, I know that the end result, hopefully, will be very delicious food. 
So it makes it worth it. I know that's a bad example, but just train yourself to see challenges, not as something bad that's trying to torture you, but preferably as something that is leading you and getting you closer. Um, yes, and it's leading you and getting you closer to your goal. So somebody just sent in a beautiful example. Thank you very much for that. It's imagine you're getting a degree. Yes. So working towards some sort of certification in something, it gets challenging and challenging, but you have to see every step of the way as closer to the beautiful end result. Um, so I want to, so that's, that's number one. Yes. Um, number one, number two, I want to explain about this concept of you are literally creating with Hashem himself. So I've said this to a few people before, but some people don't really believe me, I think, because they laugh and I'm like, she doesn't get it. Um, but for me, my labor and my birth, I literally see it as holier than Yom Kippur. This is the one time when I am raw, I am bare, I am me and my thoughts and my, you know, my nephew, kiss and Hashem. Like, it's just, it's just me and Hashem. And together we are creating, we are bringing a life into this world. And my tefillahs during that time, it's not, I'm not sitting there trying to, you know, quickly say the stuff I need to say to be able to catch up to the chazan or now that I'm a mother and I stay home because I'm nursing or whatnot. I'm not, you know, it, it's not a point of fasting, but it literally is, it's just Hashem and I. Kind of like there's a, a famous story of Remendel Futterfass that at one point, you know, during his um, incarceration or torturous years, he would save little pieces of the bread that he would get every, every day and he would put it in his coat or his, you know, his shirt or whatnot, his suit pocket. Um, and he would, he would slowly make little pieces and make quote unquote Lechem Mishnah for Shabbos. And at one point um, he found, or he, he saw a river or he found a river and he went to dip in the river as a mikvah, freezing, freezing, freezing cold. And so he had to take off his clothes and goes into the river or the, you know, whatever water type of pool. When he comes out, he realizes that someone had stolen all of his clothes and it was just him bare with Hashem. And there was no challah for Lecha Mishnah, you know, the little bits of, of, of bread that he had gathered. There was no coats. He was freezing, freezing, freezing cold. And meanwhile, he celebrated. And the famous story is that he celebrated that moment. Why? Because there was nothing else separating him from the Abishter. There was literally nothing separating him from the Abishter. So I see my labor as the exact same thing. And once I realize I am creating and Hashem is with me and I feel Hashem at every step of the way. And at one point when I'm, I'm struggling and I'm, I'm, I'm going through a really tough stage of labor, I just say, Hashem, please help me. And I feel that Hashem is literally right there with me because he is there to create. He's there to bring this child, this something from nothing into this world with me. And when you see it from that perspective, it helps you appreciate the environment that you're in and it helps you appreciate who you're with. And hopefully that'll also give you comfort. That'll feel, that'll help you make, make help you feel safer and more settled in your process and in your, um, and in bringing this child into the world. 
So that's more of the like Kedusha, the mindset, the holiness of it. But I also want to discuss setting a general atmosphere. So for myself, um, one of the many reasons I chose home birth is after doing a lot of research, after meeting with um, home birth midwives, and after seeing all the technical on paper research that the um, that the okay, um, seeing all the all the technical paperwork that that it's the same risk being in a hospital than it is the same risk being at home. Um, and after obviously meeting with all like with my midwife and interviewing her and feeling safe with her. So I chose home birth and one of the many, many, many perks, which for me, I see it as a, a safe, it helps me feel safer. And so therefore I have a safer birth is the fact that I am in my own home, in my own environment, I get to set up the environment, how I want to, you could also accomplish all of these things to a certain extent in the hospital. But for me, I feel that it is um, safer and, and, more comfortable and because it is more comfortable it's also safer because i am not nervous so therefore i am feeling better and therefore my labors go smoother so again hashem's in charge but that's kind of something to keep in mind so one of the many things that i do is that i set the atmosphere in my home i make plan for where my kids are going to be um, depending, you know, I could give birth at this time or I could give birth at that time. And there's always a plan B who could take them, where could they go? Or if they're sleeping, what would, where, you know, what would happen? Um, so Baruch Hashem for all of, almost all of my births have been at night. And so they, my kids have slept right through it. Not a problem whatsoever. Um, so they just wake up and suddenly there's a beautiful new sibling in the home. Um, but again, throughout that entire process, I do have a backup plan. Who's going to take them and where are they going to go if they happen to be up and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so having in mind who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, the people in the room can make a very, very big difference. And I've actually personally had that. I've had somebody who I didn't expect to be at my labor actually by Hashkacha Pratis happened to end up being at my labor. And I could tell that my my comfort zone and my ability to be vulnerable and be given over because that's what we have to do. We have to be given over to the process, our body and Hashem, Hashem is running our body the entire step of the way. We are not controlling it. And this is, I know this is very scary for many people. And I myself had to work on it very, very hard, but to give yourself over to the process and give yourself over to Hashem because you can't control the way this is going to work. You can't. You can't control the way this birth is going to work and you can't control the way your body is going to bring baby out. All you can do is get out of the way and help. So getting out of the way means if you set the environment and or yourself and your mindset and you're fighting it. So again, your body will do like this. Your mindset will be, ah, and then our, the whole process will be fighting against Hashem's will, will be fighting against the process that the body needs to go through. So getting out of the way is just let go. I know it's a famous thing, let go and let God, but this is really, this was the time in my life that I feel the most helpless, but that I feel the most empowered. 
I am empowered in letting Hashem do what he needs to do. And it is such a magical experience when you see it that way, that you are getting out of the way. You are not in control. Hashem is in control. And this is the process by which you go. So the people that are in the room could either add to this mindset or it could detract from this mindset. So make sure that the people that are there with you are people you want there. You want them to be there. And even though some of us have guilt trips about who we should have, who we shouldn't have, or, oh my gosh, I hired this doula, but now I think about it, I'm feeling really guilty. I actually had to do that once. I technically had asked somebody to be my doula. And at the moment, I just realized she wasn't it just wasn't the right fit. And so in the end, I just didn't end up calling her. Afterwards, I apologized and all that stuff. But like, you have to be aware that the people around you do make an impact in your birth. It does make a difference. So try and think about who is going to be there and how you can make that the most enjoyable environment experience. Also discussing your fears beforehand. It's one of the most incredible things I do with my midwife. Um, She... Literally, she comes for about an hour. It's about 15 minutes to an hour. And we spend probably 15 minutes, not even probably 10 minutes on all the like medical stuff and checking heart rate and checking baby and checking baby's heart and blood work and all the tests and whatever. It technically takes about 10, 15 minutes. The rest of the time, she's checking up on how I'm feeling What's my mindset going into this? Are there any fears? Are there any, you know, are there any things about being a mom? I know my first time I was very nervous. As I told you guys before, I, the first time I ever held a newborn was my own newborn. Like I had never experienced birth. I had never experienced newborns. I'd never experienced babies, period. So we dealt a lot with that. We discussed the fears. We discussed what I could do about those fears, how I can get myself more educated or more prepared because your mindset and your fears come into it. So something that I did for this birth, oh, I should have brought them out. I didn't bring them out. But something that I did for this birth is that I actually, one of the activities I did with my kids was that we were going to decorate my room. And so I gave all the kids, I brought out pictures of our family and I brought out markers and pencils and stickers and whatever. And we, each of them got to make signs to welcome the baby or signs to like cheer mommy on. Um, so we all decorated and then I can't really see them, but anyway, I, I put them all around my room, um, cause I give birth in my room. So any way in any direction I would look, I had something that would give me a positive mindset, something. So for example, one of the signs said, Bitachin. the other sign said, Hashem's taking care of you. Another sign said, welcome baby. We're so excited to have you. Um, and we decorated it and we put our family's pictures and, Um, so not only did I have my own work that I was doing on my own and, you know, working through my fears and, and trying to clear them out and all that stuff, but I also had my family supporting me. And I really, every time I looked up, no matter where I was, I saw my kids, I saw my husband's picture. I saw them. I mean, their pictures, not literally them, but I saw their faces smiling at me. And it just gave me such a boost and such a love and such a boost of confidence. So you can definitely make signs and decorate your room. Um, you should also think about the lights, you know, what I personally, I like giving birth because birth is an experience of vulnerability within yourself and within everybody in the room. So yes, we try to a certain extent. I mean, I, for myself, I try my hardest to, to stay as sneeze as possible, but 
birth is one of those times kind of like showering you can't be tootsinous in the wrong time like if you're literally wearing every single thing in the shower then you kind of miss the point there's a time and a place for everything so as much as it's an experience of you know you're literally bare to a certain extent and and baby's coming out and it's it's a very it's a very raw experience and so that whole experience is very vulnerable and in order to be vulnerable you have to let go you have to let go of expectations you have to let go of of your process and what you think and what are they going to think of oh my gosh my midwife's going to see me and like don't worry she, you're not the first and you're not the last like it, it's it's that process of letting go of all those fears and so for me i feel a lot more comfortable and i feel like i'm able to be more 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 vulnerable and let go of expectations and fears of what someone's going to say or what they're going to think or me thinking about what someone else is thinking and i'm able to do that when the lights are dim so there's lights they could be dim um you could even have candles you can have scents um i prepared some you know different smells and and um essential oils and a diffuser um you can i'm also very very sensitive to music so i'll give you guys the heads up i with my first i what i did was i or maybe it wasn't my first no my first i listened to nagunim like soft nagunim it was nice um my second i picked some of my favorite nagunim and my really good friend a huge shout out to anna she helped me um i recorded my husband reading a script and like encouraging me and i put she helped me put them together the nagunim as the backdrop backdrop and then my husband speaking it was super 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 powerful i think i did that yeah i'm pretty sure i did that also with the second with my third and now with my last one or not last but my latest one um i actually so i i had a plan b i realized that when i'm tired in the morning and i, I labor can sometimes take a long time and labor, the, a big part of labor is endurance to being able to push through, even though you're getting tired and even though you're getting, it's like, okay, I'm tired of this. Um, so I realized I was very sensitive. I tried to be very sensitive to myself. And I thought, what is something that could give, that gives me energy when I'm feeling low energy? And I realized in the morning when I'm feeling low energy, what do I do? I play some upbeat music. So I said, okay, it might be like, it might be some awkward, it might be kind of awkward to have upbeat music when I'm trying to, you know, relax and let baby come. And so I discussed it with my midwife and she actually gave me a lot of chizog and she said, you know what, if that's what gives you energy, so like try it. So what I did was I actually made a mix of music, um, which was half of it is upbeat and half of it is more mellow. And I also made a recording of my husband giving me chizog and I put it with a niggin on the back, you know, like so that it, so they play together. So I had all three options. In the end, I prepared and I, I, I worked, and this is something that I do, that the, the, the few weeks before giving birth, every night I try to um, listen to, to the, the track of my husband's encouragement and whatever. And then I, at night, I try to like take deep breaths and practice my breathing, you know, think about my pushing, etc cetera, etc cetera. and I, I i start to work myself up towards giving birth and so during that time period i listened to my husband and then in the actual birth i actually ended up mixing the the fast the faster more beady energetic music with the more slow tempo music and it worked 
beautifully. It was just perfect. Like Hashem just took care of my playlist and he, he realized when I needed to go more inwards and, and really give myself chizuk in a, in a calm way. And then he also realized when I needed some like upbeat, like you got this, you're going to rock it out. It's going to be amazing. So every person is different. Just have in mind, you know, that all of these are options and what kinds of sounds you can play for yourself. Um, and also I tried my hardest to, pre to prepare Kedusha. So I, you know, share Malis and like all the different, you know, whatever it is that I wanted to prepare, that I wanted to be there. Um, some people have, there's like a famous rabbit dollar. Some people have, there's different things that you can prepare in Mitzad Kedusha that you can be aware of. So, okay, let me just check time. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Um, jump into, okay, I'm going to jump into the newborn section. I, I have a plan, um, after the newborns, I'm going to give some, uh, some tips and some ideas on newborn care. Um, and then afterwards I want to, if you guys are interested, I'm going to share a bit about my birth with, um, my baby just now with baby Hannah and how magical it was and how I, I, I was, it truly changed my life. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here speaking because my birth with Hannah, I hope, I, I wish that everybody has a birth like that. And I hope that you have it um, like that and even better. So, okay. So I'm going to go quickly through newborn stage. Um, okay. So as I said, when I gave birth to my first, I had never had, I had never met, I'd never held, I'd never even probably seen a newborn in my life. So this was definitely a very new ex experience. Um, and I had to learn in a certain sense, the hard way. So I learned an incredibly valuable piece of information that I hope everybody takes to heart. Newborns are not a different species of human. Newborns are just a small version of a human. So every single thing that you go through, every single experience that you go through, whether it's hunger, <clears throat> hangry for many of us, whether it's tired, whether it's a painful, you know, something's hurting us, whether it is discomfort, if you're cold, if you're hot, you don't necessarily like sitting in a dirty diaper. I mean, if I were to tell you that you'd have to sit in a dirty diaper for a long time, you probably would not be thrilled by that idea. So newborns and babies in general are just small humans. They have the exact same things we have. I know many people that, you know, take an approach and they're like, I'm trying to figure out this new species. Like, how do I fit this species of human into a box? And that's not necessarily how we're meant to look at it. We are meant to just be sensitive to their needs, just like you. If I were to try and fit you into a box and I would schedule your entire, and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not pro or against scheduling. That's not what I'm discussing, you know, but I, I'm just giving this as an example. But if I were to tell you exactly when you need to eat, when you need to poop, what, pardon me, when you need to go to the bathroom, when you need to, you know, and, and then, and then anytime you show discomfort, I, I, I'm not sensitive to what you're trying to tell me. So then eventually you're probably not going to be very happy. You're probably going to be pretty cranky at me. Um, so newborns and babies are literally small humans that are just trying to communicate in the way that they can. And the way they communicate is primarily through crying. 
not because they're obnoxious, not because they're a bad baby. I've heard that before. And I, I want to just give another disclaimer here. Please, I beg you, I beg you, beg you, beg you as much as you can. Don't label your children. Don't label your newborn. Your newborn, there is no bad baby. There is no bad kid. There is no fussy baby. It's not, they're not inherently fussy. They're not inherently bad. Newborns are just trying to communicate. And the only way they're communicating is through crying. And until you get the message, they will continue to do so. So the way I view it is that if my baby is crying a lot, if I'm, if my baby is crying a lot, then it means that I haven't figured out what they need. So imagine I don't speak English and here I am and I'm like mumbling away and I'm, I keep mumbling at you. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, Michal's mad annoying. Michal is not mad. Okay, maybe something, but no, Michal's not mad annoying. Michal is trying to communicate. You just don't understand my language. But Michal is just trying to communicate. So, so too with babies. Please, I beg you, don't label your baby as a bad baby. Don't label your baby as a fussy baby. Because once you label them, you're going to take a new pair of eyes and see them from a different perspective. And they're not really fussy. They're just trying to communicate. Now, your job is to be, sorry, is to be the detective to figure out what they're trying to tell you. So um, something to keep in mind is that when you are sensitive to yourself, you can also be sensitive to your baby. So if you're sensitive to yourself and you're able to realize, hmm, when I get tired, this is how I react. When I get overtired, I know for myself, I'll be completely honest. If I'm still up by like 1030, I get a second wind of energy, but then I am not thinking straight. I'm just overtired, but on overdrive. So I'm doing stuff, but I'm not at my highest point of thinking. So babies have a similar thing. Sometimes they're tired and they're very unhappy. And so it sounds a little cranky and then they suddenly get a lot of energy. And so we think, oh, they're fine. They don't need a nap, but really it's possible that they're just like you. They just got that second wind of energy and now they're cranky, super tired and acting like they have energy. So the more you're aware of yourself, the more you're able to be sensitive to your child's needs and what they're actually trying to speak to you, speak, you know, what they're trying to tell you. Um, some of the things to keep in mind, specifically with babies, is that, or no, not specific, with all of us, but keeping in mind with babies, is that we are the only species of mammal that we proactively let our children sit in their own dirtiness for however long. You're not trying to get your, your, your money's worth by making sure that the nappy is filled all the way to the fullest, fullest, fullest extent, because realize that you're just accustoming your, accustoming your child to sit in dirt, not literally, uh, yeah, and dirty, and, and whether it's wet or whether it's, you know, other things. Um, and so having in mind that they might be uncomfortable when their diaper is dirty even though the, the, the diaper hasn't been filled to the fullest extent, but they might be uncomfortable, even if it's just a bit dirty, it, it, it might give you a realization that many times when we might think that our kids are fussy, we're just thinking, okay, they're fussy. But in reality, all they're just, all they're trying to say is, mommy, I'm really uncomfortable feeling all wet down there. 
Um, another thing to note is how active they are. You know, sometimes they want to play, but realize that the stages, you know, from going to a newborn barely wants to play. Their awake time is minimal. As they get older, they, they get more awake time. And so being aware of, okay, how old are they? How much energy, how much energy do they have? And once they're running out of that energy, try and catch the nap before they're overtired and cranky. So being aware of that, being aware of yourself when you're overtired and cranky can help you see that in your baby. Um, one second. Oh, also being aware of your environment. If, if you're feeling hot, they might also be hot. If you're feeling cold, they might also be cold. And being aware of, of being sensitive to them. So I personally, I know this might be controversial. You can take it or leave it. I'm talking about me. So I personally do not give my children pacifiers. Um, the reason is because I am so hyper-focused and hypersensitive to what they're trying to tell me that I'm not trying to shush them or lull them or pacify them. I want to take care of what's causing them to cry. So I get this, I get this a lot. I hear a lot of people say, wow, your baby's so smiley. Your baby barely cries. Your baby is always, you know, and I, I actually, for a time period in my life, I took one of my babies came to the office with me. I mean, this is when I was working in a different um, organization and I was allowed to bring my baby to the office because everyone knew that my, my baby never cried. The moment they cried, I was always aware, oh, they just ate. Okay, so in a few minutes, they'll probably be making because their system is a lot smaller. Again, they're humans. The system works the same way. It's just in smaller increments. So it takes a, an adult or a child, really. It takes us from the point of drinking. If we pace back and forth, it takes us about eight to 16 minutes, if I understand correctly, for us to need to go to the bathroom from that drink. So with that said, our body is a certain speed and a little baby sometimes goes a little bit quicker. So being aware of, okay, my baby's schedule is he just ate. And so therefore our next step is probably he's going to be happy or she's going to be happy and she's going to need to go to the, you know, she's going to need to, or she's going to make in her diaper. So I was pretty much, I, I always tried to be aware of, okay, what could the next stage be? So that when the next stage comes, I'm able to be ahead of the game and I'm like, oh, this is why they're getting fussy. I go and I check the diaper. Ah, lo and behold, there it is, right? So being aware of that and not pacifying them, in my opinion, again, this might be controversial. This is my own take on it. Take it or leave it. But I want to hear what they have to say. And I never want my child to grow up thinking, mommy just stuck something in my mouth and I don't, they, she doesn't hear what I'm trying to tell her. So I am very aware that the main mode of communication that babies have is through crying. And so therefore I want to hear every cry so I can solve every cry. Um, another thing that I, I will share is that I took a course called Dunst Dunstan Baby Language. I strongly suggest for everyone to take it. I've actually shared it with many, many, many of my friends. I have a friend who's currently raving about it. Um, she called me late at night and she was like, I can't figure out what's wrong with my baby. Can you please be the baby whisperer? And I solved her problem. I figured out exactly what was wrong with her baby. And afterwards I said, if you really want to sleep or you really want to you know, live a happy life, I would tell you to take this, um, take this course. And she has, it has made a huge, huge, huge difference in her life. 
I'll tell you, go search on YouTube, Dunstan, Dunstan, D-U-N-S-T-A-N, baby language. Um, there's the, there, she has had many interviews um, where she speaks about what it is and she basically explains, I, I, I'm going to make it short. Yes, Dunstan, baby language. Thank you for typing it up. Um, she basically explains that the way the babies, the pre-cry, the, not the, once they're like already hyped up and screaming heavily, but the like, a little noise that sometimes we don't even notice, those little noises actually are different. And they are actually a, um, a reflex that the baby is trying to, so for example, when a baby suckles and they eat, so they move their tongue towards the back of their mouth, towards the roof of their mouth, and that's the suckling motion. So when they're getting hungry, they start to practice that suckling motion while they make noise. So for example, hunger sound sounds like nah, nah. So if you start listening to a newborn or a baby, I mean, my baby now is, she out, she grew out of it. Sometimes I hear it, but, but it's, it's mostly prevalent in newborns, first like three, four months. You can start to hear the nah. So the Abishur literally gives us the refuah before the machla. So here Hashem is telling us, your baby wants to communicate. And so I'm going to give you how the baby is going to communicate. You just need to be good at listening to it. So again, I strongly suggest for everyone to, in preparation for having their baby, check out Dunstan Baby Language. And um, you'll be able to, I mean, I for myself, I know back in the day when I used to go on the subway, I could literally hear babies and be like, oh, if only I could tell her mommy, you know, what's going on. The baby's trying to tell you something. So she explains and she teaches you how to hear all the sounds. It is incredible. And if you ever need help, I, I do, I have earned myself the title of the baby whisperer. So if you ever need help listening, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at listening to it over the phone as well. Um, okay. That was another step of newborns. And another step of newborns is to figure out your nursing um, earlier on. So don't wait till baby has lost weight or don't wait till baby has, you know, jaundice and then you have to go get baby special light and all that stuff. Be proactive about your nursing. Be proactive about making sure that your baby is, 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 is being well fed because a lot of issues also start through, it's not a magical thing that suddenly happens. Nursing is a learned skill and we have to learn it. We have to work on it and we have to, to be prepared. So I want to give you guys a hint. We do have an incredible class in our life skill series. You can check it out on YouTube uh, with Sarah Hanna Silverstein and she speaks about nursing. And also I would definitely suggest um, learning as much as you can about nursing beforehand so that you're prepared.